Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering, mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because I keep all of my guests deliberately anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even a little intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of planetary physics. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to have you on the show because I am dying to know all about how you ended up doing what you're doing. Has it been um, a straight road? Um, not really. Um, I think... I think, but that's partly down to just people as well. You know, you sort of make a decision about what you think you want to do with your life and your career. And then things change as you move along that career. You then have a choice between two or three different jobs and you make a decision about which way to go. And then that changes your focus. So I, I don't think anyone I know has had a completely straight path and, yeah. you know, and they probably when they started out on their careers, they would never have been able to predict where it was they were going to end up. Oh, thank God. So I'm not the only one then because I've had quite Absolutely. a twisty uh, <laughs> career path. But was it obvious from young that you were definitely going to end up in STEM? Looking back, I suppose it was. Um, but. I was at an all-girls school, um, and at the school I was at, uh, science was not offered. Wow. And so, um, well, um, well, you know, f- sort of some science so that linked to physics and chemistry wasn't offered. I did maths and I did biology. Um, and when I finished at my final year of school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I really enjoyed maths. Mm. And I was really fortunate in that my dad was working at a university as a lecturer, a professor. And as a result of that, I was able to get into university as an undergraduate student for free. So um, I thought, after long conversations with my parents, that I wanted to try and do a BSc degree, although I knew nothing about physics and chemistry. Um, and I was really fortunate that the university was prepared to take a chance on me. So I, I sort of went off to do a BSc, um, and it was scary, really was. I remember my first physics lecture. It was like listening to a foreign language. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's even hard when you've been taught it, but to not actually have been taught it. And wow. Well, and but but in fact, I I enjoyed physics more than I enjoyed chemistry. Chemistry, I just couldn't get on with at all. Mm. Um, and what I was doing, I was still living at home, and so I'd go home every evening, and my dad would go through the physics and the chemistry lesson with me. Um, and it took at least the three years of my BSc before I started feeling comfortable with physics. Chemistry, I I, I stopped after my first year, so. I did a three-year degree, and I did it in physics, applied maths, and, and maths. Gosh. Um, I then stayed on and did an honours year. And then I did a PhD in applied mathematics. Never looked at a piece of data in my life. Um, and then I changed country, and 
I was given an opportunity to, to start looking at data from planetary missions and uh, 25 years later, I'm still doing it. Wow, gosh. And so your father, was he in the subject that you are currently in? No, my my dad was an engineer. Um, but, you know, he, he sort of did physics and maths and applied maths as part of his job. So that's how he was able to help mm. me. And so was there a pressure from him to follow in his footsteps? No, no, no not at all. No, no. Um, uh, I, in some ways, I think he, well, he, I, I don't think he wanted me to be an engineer because he, he would have felt that I would, I, I would have, I had done that because I felt that I needed to because he was an engineer. So no, there was no pressure from him whatsoever. Um, and, you know, in fact, Looking back, I think both my sister and I were really fortunate with our parents. They're both dead now, but um, we're both very different, my sister and I, and we never felt there was any pressure for either of us to try and be like the other one. And so we were able to go our own way and find our, find our own way. Mm, that's so great. Yeah. Because it sounds as though your dad was a real source of inspiration. He absolutely was, yes. Um and I think, you know, looking looking back over his career, he 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 ended up in a university. Um, he was a professor in his um in his department and he actually led the department for a while. And so um I'm doing something very similar, but in a different field. And 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 so I'm sort of following in his footsteps, but without without um trying to do so, mm. you know. Was he proud of um what he did see of your career? Yes, he was. And that's one of the regrets that I have is that both my parents are not around today to to see that I'm doing okay. Mm. Um, well, it, not that I, you know, not that I wasn't doing okay when they were around, but that I have done pretty well in my career. I think they would have been so excited mm. by it. So what was driving you then if it wasn't parental pressure? I think I'm curious. Um, and I've never been very good at doing what is expected of me so I think I'm not very well behaved um yay rebel without cause <laughs> yeah you know and I see I see that as a strength in many ways and mm. in, in in that you know I was I was I was not expected to do science because I was a girl um but it turned out that I enjoyed it and I was pretty good at it um I got a PhD in applied mathematics, but I've now ended up doing planetary science instead. And so that was partly linked to decisions that I made in my career. Um, and I think, you know, I've ended up doing something I'm really interested yeah. in. But if you had asked me when I had just graduated um, from my BSc and even my honours year, there's no ways I would have assumed that I was going to do this. So it was linked to decisions that I made. Um, I was I was asked to take on responsibilities that at the time I thought I probably couldn't do very well, but I thought, what the hell? What have I got to lose? Um, so I think it's been it's being brave and taking on things that you're not sure you could do, but you want to give it a try anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there wasn't ever a drive to be a planetary scientist, but I, I mean, my dad, the, my first view of planets was through a telescope that my dad built. Wow, and my sister and I, I remember, we helped um, build. Well, we helped mix the concrete for the base of the telescope, and we were so proud of ourselves. You know, he had done the hard work; he had ground the mirror, he had put the whole telescope together. But we thought the most important thing was mixing the concrete for the base. Well, it's pretty crucial part. <laughs> well, we thought so. Yeah, we thought so. Um, and. So my first view of the planets that I'm now involved in was uh, through a telescope that my dad built, and that I think must have made a last it must have made a lasting yeah. impression on me. Although I wasn't aware of it at the time, you know. That's so beautiful, yeah. And you know, given that you were not even uh, able to study physics uh, because you were female, were you aware of um, your gender in these subjects? Yeah, you know, I think I've been very fortunate in that I, 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 I never felt out well. I never felt uneasy in in my university environment. There weren't very many girls in the in the class. I think 
trying to think back now, in my first year class, there were probably 400 students and there were maybe 20 girls. Gosh. Um, in my honours year, there were only five of us. No, there were eight of us and three of us were girls. Um, but I don't know if it's just because um, I'm, I'm quite good at standing up for myself, but I never actually felt that my career has been badly impacted because I'm female. Um, but I think that that means I've been very fortunate. I do know of colleagues and friends who do feel they've been overlooked because they're female. And so yeah. I think in some ways I've been very fortunate. And what do you think it is about you that has been able to uh, assert yourself in a male-dominated environment? I was actually thinking about this because I was assuming you were going to ask me a question like that. <laughs> I think it's because um, I'm not prepared to take any nonsense from anyone. Um, if I feel that um, some that a person should be questioned, um, I will question them about it. Mm. Um, I think, you know, for many years, when I, especially when I was a much younger scientist, I would pretend I knew what I was doing. I would pretend I was in control of a situation. And if you do that for long enough, you almost convince yourself that you are. <laughs> um, Fake it till you make it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and now I think maybe for the last 15 years or so, maybe 10 years, I am in control of the situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know everything, but I feel confident that I will be able to deal with, with most things that arise. And, but I think I'm also a friendly, interactive person, mm-hmm. but there's there's a line that I will not let people step over as far as behavior. So I I don't know if that's answered your question, but it, you know it, it's clear that that that, that was, that's one of the reasons why I've been able to to do what I what I do. That I I don't allow anyone to stop me if I think yeah. it's important. And also, uh, I, I'm getting the impression that um, you just really believed in your abilities. You were never doubting yourself. Well, I do now. <laughs> Sheenie, it's really interesting. I do now, but when I was younger, I wasn't sure. Mm. Um, I thought I knew what I was doing, but everyone else seemed to seemed to be able to do better at it. And so always at the back of my mind, I was thinking, um, when are people going to find out that they're not as good as they think I am? Yeah, that classic imposter syndrome yes. style thinking. Yeah. Yes. And no one ever did. And so maybe maybe I'm I'm actually pretty good at what I do. Um but I I think it's it's if you've if you've messed up, if you've made a mistake, being able to say, Oh, I messed up. I'm sorry, that was not the right way to do things. So I, I think it's it's being honest about your capabilities, making it clear if someone asks you to take on a particular role, making it clear that you're excited by that role. You don't know if you're up to it, but you're very happy to give it a go. So mm. it's it's being willing to step into the unknown sometimes, yeah. not knowing yeah. if, if you will be able to do the task that has been asked of you. It's actually the opposite, ironically, of faking it to make it because you're being very honest about your capabilities at that time, but you're still having the courage to have a go anyway. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think I wouldn't have described it like that 15 years ago um, because there was a part of me that was sort of faking it to myself. Yeah. Um, but looking back at it now, yes, I think I think that's, that's the best way to go, that um, take on a challenge, make it clear that you you hope you're up to the job um, and you're going to give it your best shot, but ask for advice if if you if people you know if, if people feel you could do something differently, accepting advice is always very helpful as well because you can't one can't know everything. Yeah, and I think that's something that um, people in the sciences struggle with, generally speaking, is that because we're so capable as um, students in STEM, we often don't think that asking for help is an option. We like to be self-sufficient. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I think also 
and I, I can say it now because I, I I don't get embarrassed about 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 speaking clearly about what I think I'm good at. I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it even five years mm. ago. But I think I think one of my greatest strengths is the fact that I get on well with people. Um, and as I move into more leadership roles and managing big teams and things like that, that is crucial um, because. I think if you're leading a large team of people, whether they're scientists or not, your your most important role is to protect your team, to protect them from as much of the nonsense that is thrown at them by outside stuff um, to allow them to do their job. Um, what kind of outside stuff? Okay, well, I, I, an, an example is that um, I was responsible for an instrument on a spacecraft. and. Um, my instrument team, um, from my perspective, their main aim was to was to take the data and do the best science that they could. But there were always requests from the project team asking for additional work to be done on um, planning observations, producing lots of reports and things like that. And and I would make sure that. I, I, that the team only did what was necessary so that they could focus on what they were good at. So it's protecting people so they can do what they're good at. You can't protect them from everything, but um, protect them from outside disturbances so they can they can focus on their main task. Yeah. Do you think um, there is a gender issue in STEM? Well, there clearly is a gender issue if you have a look at the number of um, female students who come into STEM. Um, yeah. I don't know how we get past that. I don't know where the issue is. I mean, you know, I'm talking in, in a university environment. Um, yeah. yeah. If you have a look at the percentage of female students versus male students, um, it's probably it's pretty 25 bad. to 75, something like, yeah. like, yeah. like that. Um once the students, once the female students come in, then they do well. But it's it's what what is stopping them from coming in? Is yeah. it is it because they feel it's a very male environment? Is it because the school system is not enabling them to do what they want to do? Um, I don't know where the issue is, and I think I think it's very difficult to know where it lies. If we did know, we would be sorting it out a bit more quickly than we are. I get the sense that you are so um, self-accepting um, that you know hasn't been an issue for maybe some compared to maybe someone who has a very fragile sense of self. I think I was very fortunate in that in my in my home environment when I was a kid. I, I was never given the impression that as a girl I couldn't do stuff. I mean, at mm. school I wasn't able to do science at the school that I went to. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I was never – my parents never gave me the impression that I wouldn't be able to do exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I think I was really fortunate there. And I think that's so key. You know, the way children are raised is really um, – really has an impact on – how they feel as adults. I think so. And and I, I was a tomboy. Um, I remember I used to um, I used to ride bikes all the time. I've still got scars on my leg to prove it. <laughs> uh, my sister was um, used to play with dolls and I would go off and I would have um, it, it's not very politically correct now, but in those days I'd play cowboys and Indians. Um, uh, I would play with all the the, the boys in the area so I was a real tomboy Mm. um and as you matured into you know a woman did you ever feel kind of like awkward no (laughs) no um you know I went through bad phases I I used to stutter really badly um in my teens, I went through a period of a couple of years where I was I was still living at home, of course. I couldn't answer the phone because I couldn't get a sentence out. Um, yeah. And so that was probably the period of time. I think 
everyone, especially in their teenage years, goes through a period of time where they feel really awkward and they don't feel as though they fit in their skin or yeah. like that. Yeah. I, you know, that was that was my bad time. Um, and what did you learn from that time? That you can do anything that you want to do. I think, you know, I, I moved into, into science, into research where one has to give presentations in public all the time. I give lectures to big classes of undergraduate students. And looking back now, when I was stuttering so badly, I couldn't answer the phone. There's no ways I thought I would end up doing that. But it was a career that I wanted. And so I forced myself through the stutter. Um, and I now, every once in a while, I will trip over a word. It's usually if I'm tired or if I'm emotional about something. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that was my bad time. That was the time where I didn't have much self-worth. Mm. And luckily, yeah. I got, luckily, I got through that. Huh? And, and what, what, what got you through that? Because I think a lot of young people do go through that self-questioning phase. Uh, they become extremely self-conscious. And then they're wondering how they fit into this world and what they can do with their future. How did you get through your version of that? I'm stubborn. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think I, I just I just kept hoping that things would get better. I mean, you know, I had a fantastic family. I had a lovely family life. I had lots of good friends, but I just used to stutter really badly. Yeah. Um, and slowly but surely, things got better. Um, I went to – I did really well in my final year at school. Um, that, that, that that's an interesting story. Um, my, I was so lazy at school, so lazy. So you weren't the straight-acing student? No, oh. no. I would, I would. All my school reports would say she can do better. She, you know, she gets B's, but she could get A's if she actually worked. <laughs> and I remember in my second to last year at school, my sister came top of her class in primary school, and I thought. If my sister can do that, so can I. And so in my final year of school, I worked like the devil <laughs> and I came top. Um, and I think that for me was probably a turning point mm. um, because I realized that if I actually put my mind to something mm. and I, I was serious about doing something, I could do it well. So so that for me, that it's, it's interesting. I haven't thought about it like that before, but the way that you asked the question, I, I think that for me was the was the turning point that if I put my mind to something and I really want to do something I'm able to do it so that for me was probably the change yeah. and then there was just no stopping um, well you know I had stutters and starts there were some of the subjects in my in my undergraduate degree were horrible and I failed a couple of them and I had to redo them but uh then I made sure I didn't stay in that area when I went into the second or the third year so uh, um there were stops and starts, but uh, I'm pretty happy at where I've where I've ended up. Today. Yeah, and it sounds like you never planned for any of it, um, but you were literally just following your heart. Um, but science can be like that when you're really on the cutting edge, because there is no planned path. It's kind of you're you're building the path essentially. Yes, that's right. And I think I think one of the important things for me is that you sometimes have to be brave and say yes to something that you don't think you can do. Um, and that happened to me, how long ago now, maybe 23 years ago, I was asked to take the lead on a on a spacecraft instrument team. And I I was flabbergasted I'd been asked because I wasn't sure that I had the had the skill set that I needed to do the job. But the person who asked me clearly saw something in me that I didn't know I had. Um, and that's what I now do. Um, and so I think it's, it, you know, part of it is being brave, not sure if it's the right decision, but if, you, if it's an exciting area that you want to move into, then giving it a plan. Has your work um, completely consumed you or have you had the opportunity to have other things going on in your life as well? It, it consumes me at times. Um, 
But one of the things that I have learned, particularly as I'm getting older, is that you have to take a break mm. from it. Um, you need to find need time. Um, and I've, I've recently taken on a leadership role which can be all-consuming. And in fact, what is interesting to me is I now, I now work less at weekends since I've taken on that leadership role because if I don't, I know I'm not going to. I, I was about to say not going to survive, and I, I don't mean it as 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 boldly as that. That I I will I will not do the best job that I can. You have to switch. Yeah, it's unsustainable. Um, that's right. You have to carve quiet time for yourself, so that you can spend time with friends and family, so that so that you do keep mm. that balance. Because I just don't think it's very healthy to yeah. do otherwise. And how are you doing with the balance of uh, all aspects of being a woman? Because, I mean, you know, most women are really sort of juggling three things, I guess, which is um, work, like romance and sort of personal relationships and friends and, I guess, family. So that's four, actually. Yeah. um, For me, what suffers is is seeing friends um i now see close friends m- much less frequently than i used to and that's partly because of this leadership role i've taken on um but i do ensure that i will carve out time where i i can still get together with them but it's just not as frequently as i would like and luckily they're very understanding um I don't have children, and so in some ways, that has has helped in the helped in the sense that I have a little more time in my life for other things because I I, I don't have children. I see my I see my sister and how all consuming her family time can be at times, and so I think I doubt whether I would have been as successful in my work environment as I am if I had had children and that is a real testament I think to the juggling act that people have to yeah is it possible to juggle doing what you do with a family yes it is um I've seen friends and colleagues who do it but that it but it means that they have to pick and choose the kind of roles they take on yeah when they have young children for example Mm. um and and so it's a it's a it's a it's a juggling act, and every woman has has to make a choice um, as to if she if they if if one does decide to have children, then that will have an impact on when you can do various things at work because trying to do everything, I it, it's it's almost impossible. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can often be like a really difficult choice to have to make as a woman because, you know, we often go into STEM subjects with so much passion and wonder for the subjects. Um, And we study so hard to get qualified in those subjects. And then around about the age where you really want to apply what you know to a job or further, you know, your your academic um, accomplishments, you have to be thinking about motherhood. Yes, and I think I think that is something that has changed for the positive in the last ten to fifteen okay. years. In what way is 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 how much more um, how maternity and paternity mm. leave are, are 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 now part of a job. Um, Fifteen twenty years ago, I would have colleagues who knew their careers were going to be impacted because they were going to take time out. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now, it is expected. You don't even question the fact that you get maternity leave. Your husband can get paternity leave, and the inv- the working environment that you're in will adapt to allow that. It's probably not perfect. I'm sure it's not perfect, but it's mm-hmm. much it's much better than it was. And so, I think we're on a strong upward curve. Yeah. 
Is it still not competitive, though, even with all those allowances? Is it still not competitive? I mean, someone that's taking time out for maternity leave, you know, will naturally fall behind scientific progress. Um, yeah, but there are there are many fathers who take time out mm. now as well. Um, there are many, um, a, a lot of the research funding councils have got fellowships in place where if a scientist takes time out to have a family, they, there are fellowships you can apply for to help you get back up to speed again. And those are aimed mainly at women, but there are some men who have been awarded those as well. So it's certainly not perfect. And and having children will impact on the speed of, of success, but much less than it used to be. I think that is one of the real positives over the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, it's encouraging, but I think it's going to take a while to have an effect. Yeah. I mean, so much has to change, you know, first of all, uh, cultural attitudes towards women in STEM needs to change. And then the idea that you can actually have uh, children and it's, you know, there are allowances for that within academia. I mean, these are all like, you know, relatively brand new. They are. um, And it is going to take time, but I think it's a real plus that they are now in place. Um, Hmm. Why is, why do you think it's a plus? Well, it means that the, the difficult decisions that one might might have had to have taken 15 years ago that, oh, if I have children, it's going to set my career back however many years, that, that's, not, that, that's not the case anymore. It might slow it down slightly, um, but it's not, it's not the huge impact that it would have been. So we're, from my perspective, we're, we're on the upward curve. I'm sure yeah. there are other things that can be done, but we're moving in the right direction. Um, mm. Do you think it would have affected you if those um, new perspectives were in place? No, I, I, it, it was for personal reasons that I that I didn't have children, so I, I wouldn't have that that wouldn't have changed for me. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give uh, to young girls who are thinking about going into physics? Because it's still generally seen as uh, not very uh, female friendly as a subject. Um, have a look at the, 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 the high profile females who are in physics. Um, have a look to see what they have achieved. Um, Go and visit. If you're thinking about going to do physics at a university, go and visit the universities that you're thinking you might want to go to so that you can get a feel for what the environment is like. You know, it it used to be a very male environment when I was an undergraduate. It really was. Um, But it's, it's, it's becoming less so now. There's much more understanding that, um, it's important to make students feel comfortable in in the environment um but i think you know if 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 one really is excited by physics then think seriously about about looking into doing physics as a career um there will be occasions when it's difficult um a lot of things are though aren't they yeah and 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 you won't always you won't always be happy i mean you know they always parts of one's job that one doesn't enjoy Hmm. for me I think if if you wake up in the morning and you're excited at the prospect of going to work and you're thinking oh yes I'm going to do this that and the other today then that's the environment that I want to be in and I am every morning when I get up at some ungodly hour because I always exercise before I go to work um as I'm exercising, I'm thinking about all the things I'm going to be able to do that day. And that excitement is what keeps me going through some very long days. Yeah. I think being in the STEM world, I have seen changes whereby uh, women are starting to become a lot more assertive and they're starting to come out of hiding. Because yes. uh, I think when women were passionate about physics, they were almost embarrassed to admit that. Do you see that? 
Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm proud to be a geek. I'm a science geek. <laughs> yes. You know, um, <laughs> um, and I'm really proud of what I do. Um, it, it, I think, I think, I, I, I think anyone moving into a STEM environment should be aware that there are times when it's going to be really difficult. Um, from my perspective, I think that the, the, the hardest thing is if, for example, one wants to move into an academic environment and get a permanent acad academic position in the UK, it's becoming harder and harder. Um, and that, for me, I think is, 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 a, is a real concern. We've got fantastic young scientists out there, but not all of them will be able to move into an academic environment. And I think... Why is that? Is that a lack of funding? Or um, it's, it's, I think it's, it's partly linked to the fact that there are, there are, there are, there are a large number of people doing science degrees, physics degrees, mm -hmm. um, and the mentality in, 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 in universities is, oh, you come to university to do a science degree and therefore you want to stay on in a university environment, but there just aren't enough positions available. I don't think it's because of funding. I think there's a there, there's almost a natural number of of academic staff in a university that is a that is a good number. If it, you, if you, if you make it too big, then the university becomes too big, and you're trying to do too mm. much. And, and I think for me, the big the big idea that we need to get across is that you don't have to be a you don't have to be an academic to be a successful scientist. Mm. You can move into industry. You can move into teaching. You can move into outreach. There's a whole range of ways in which scientists can be successful. And that's the message that I think needs to get across as well. I'm surprised that uh, people aren't racing out to industry to put their brains to good use, you know, and get financial gain as a result. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> um, but I think a number of people move, and well, you know, after they finish, an, after one finishes an undergraduate degree, people might move on to do a PhD, and, and there, the, the mindset has been in the last 15, 20 years, is it, you do a PhD, and then you move into a research environment. But it is, it. I think it's also better for the country if we have scientists in a whole range of environments. I look back on some of the PhD students I've had, and some of them have moved into media, some of them have moved out into industry, some have gone into the city. And that for me is a natural progression. And it's and it's and it means that 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 STEM is is able to permeate through society. And I think that's a really positive thing. And I'm very much supportive of it, and I will. I say to my my undergraduate students and my postdoc and my and my PhD students that they need to be thinking of other ways in which they might be able to use their science. Mm, yeah, I've often had the comment of you know I've wasted my doctorate um, by going into media. Oh no 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 no! I, I mean I th I think one of my most successful PhD students um, is in media. Um, and I'm sure she would not say that she had wasted her PhD. So it's 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 getting out of the mindset that you you will only be a successful scientist if you if you stay in research or stay mm. in an academic environment. Um, as a science geek, I want everyone in the society to be a science geek. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also about cultivating um, our natural born talents. So if you happen to be passionate about physics but you're also a strong communicator then you should definitely yes. be out communicating in some way and you know absolutely maybe yeah maybe absolutely. you're a physics geek that loves music in which case you should explore that as well absolutely so so um i think i think we one needs to get out of the sort of constrained mindset that you that you do a, a, a science degree and therefore you have to stay mm. in science. No, it, it's a stepping stone onto something yeah. else. And you know, I, 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 I got my PhD in applied mathematics. I didn't get it in yeah. science, but I'm now working in planetary physics. And so 
one's career, like one's life, is an evolution, and you and you make and you make choices, and that will then change the path. Of yeah, and I think um, um, we should not be afraid to make mistakes. I mean, what's your relationship with failure like? Uh, I hate it, but I've survived it. <laughs> um, I think you need to take the time when, when you do fail at something. You need to take time out to try and understand why you did. I think failure can be successful if you learn why you yes. failed. Um and, you know, it might not always be something that you've done, um, but that's a learning process as well because um, it gives you an understanding how about how an environment and a work environment might work. And so I think it's whether one learns from a failure and then that becomes a, a, a positive aspect of it, and, and, and that's really important. Mm. And often people think of STEM subjects as being very binary, ones and zeros, black and white. Um, how creative do you think you've been in your career? Um, pretty creative. I, I I work with a team that builds instruments that um, we put onto spacecraft and you see the data from those instruments um, as plots of data on a, on a curve. And it's understanding what that's telling you and what it's telling you about the physics of a situation. And so you need to, you need to be able to think outside the box and sometimes come up with some quite creative ideas as to why you're seeing what you're seeing. Um, and so I think I've been pretty creative. I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to describe this in a way where it's not very clear if, yeah, who I am. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, I just wish I could scream from the rooftops who I'm interviewing here because your career is just so impressive, and I think my audience would be so um, excited to hear about the actual things you've done in your career which is just <laughs> thank you I appreciate that I I think it's being willing to think outside the box and to tell other people what you're thinking even though you're not sure that it's right um and taking a chance um there was something I did in my career about 15 years ago now where if what I had suggested had been wrong, then I doubt whether anyone would have taken me seriously again. But um, I took a chance and, and, and it worked out. So I think it's being willing to take a chance on something. Yeah, being bold. Being, being bold and, 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 and brave. Um, yeah. You, you know, on, on this particular occasion that I'm thinking about, I, until I found out that I was right for about three or four nights beforehand, I just didn't sleep because I knew that if what I'd suggested was wrong, then I, I probably wouldn't have anyone take me seriously again. But I was fortunate mm -hmm. I was right. And so as a result of sticking to your guns, like you've probably changed the course of scientific knowledge. Um, yeah, I, I, I might have. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's probably for, that, that's probably more than I would have said about myself. But I'm perfectly happy for you to say that for me. Well, audience, I just want to, <laughs> to uh, you know interject that we are listening to true humility here, which is you know, I mean, I think that's something that's so inspiring is that um, you know because we are unable to reveal exactly what you've done and achieved and who you are like it it's so you know the audience just has to believe me that you know we're talking to someone really eminent here but the humility I think that you're displaying is is something to to be admired because um and I humility I, I once read a definition of humility as being um the ability to remain teachable um yeah if I ever lose that then I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing um, yeah, because you know, from from my perspective, the the topic that we're talking about, I could not have done without 
a fantastic team of people who work with me. Um, in, in, in science, you're hardly ever doing something on your own. It's hardly ever only just down to you. It's down to mm. the team of people that you work with. And so um, I couldn't have done it without them. Um, and, okay, I was the one who said, let's make this announcement. But I, I, I only did that because the team of people I was working with, we, we all felt it was the right thing to do. Well, not all of us, but the, most, of, most of the team felt it was the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. that's probably what you're seeing as humility. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's interesting about um, the way you, um, your approach to your career is that uh, if I was to ask you, you know, would you recommend that girls should go into STEM? I kind of get the impression that um, you'd have quite an unusual answer in the sense, well, what would be your answer? If, it's, if, if, if STEM is something that really excites you, then yes, go for it. Um, be prepared to have difficult times on occasion. Um, but be willing to take chances. I think I, I think I've been fortunate in that some of the decisions that I've made, you know, on, on a couple of occasions I've been offered maybe two jobs and I had to choose between them. And at the time I wasn't sure I was doing the right thing, but I followed my instinct. I for me, gut instinct is a big thing. I have a feeling about something. It just feels right. I can't maybe pinpoint why it feels right, but it feels right and I follow through on it. And I think as one gets older, one realizes that maybe your instincts are pretty good. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's being willing to, to take the chance. Um, mm. And, you know, I was I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about the fact that um, as one gets older, you um, you come to the realization, and I I found this happened to me once I turned fifty. You come to the realization that you're doing your best that you can. You're not always doing as well as you would like, but you're doing the very best that you can. And when you come to that realization, you actually stop worrying yeah. about about what people think about you. Oh, that sounds heavenly. It is It is fantastic. It takes this load off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, you, you know you're doing the best that you can. You know you're going to mess up every once in a while, but it doesn't matter what people think. Um, mm. So I never go out of my way to, to upset people, but there are times when you have to make difficult decisions, and as long as you're doing, you're making those decisions for the right reasons, then does it matter if you upset a couple of people? So mm-hmm. for me, that was, it, it, it was a eureka moment. Once I'd passed that, it just made life so much easier. And I wish I'd been like that in my 20s and 30s, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I could be as so bold as to say that I think women really suffer a lot more. About, I think they do. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, there's, a, there's a lack of one head. One has a lack of confidence. I mean, I, I I had a lack of confidence when I was younger. I'm I'm a very good actress, though. My lack of confidence was not clear. I was... Where where does it come from? Is it biological? Then I don't know. Maybe it might be, but but you know, for me, I I think to to me as a as a female scientist, it was clear that. If I showed my lack of confidence, that I would not be successful. Right. And so, over the years, I built up this, this this persona where I was very good at giving the impression of being confident. Um. And then, after I turned fifty, I realized I knew what I was doing, and it was okay. And if I messed up every once in a while, then so be it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> probably when you turn fifty, you probably realize that you are the real deal like you're you know there's no need to fake it anymore because I mean you would just accomplish so much that you know you're at the top of your game essentially 
you've you've you're very sweet. Maybe my more humble way of saying it is I've 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 um, convinced everyone I know what I'm doing. So by fifty, maybe it's time I convinced myself. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually why I was hesitating to ask whether you'd recommend STEM to girls because I just get this overall. Um, impression from you that you really think it's important to follow your heart whether that's in stem or not absolutely i mean i've got a i've got a niece who um is not working in in stem um she's working in an environment that is very competitive but she loves it um and she was never interested in stem so from my perspective one should one should follow a career that is going to keep you excited and enthused. Mm. And if you find after four or five years that you're just not enjoying it, then maybe you should be thinking about moving into something else. Not not giving up completely on what you've been doing, but use what the skills you've gained to move into something that is going to excite you. Mm. Um, and not beat yourself up for maybe taking a couple of you know left turns. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, you know, when, when when I first graduated with my undergraduate degree, there's no ways I thought I would end up doing what I'm doing. Um, the leadership roles I'm now doing are as a result of someone asking me to take something on that I didn't think I was up to, but I took a chance on. Um, and it's 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 trying out new things. If they if the thought of them excites you, even though they it scares the hell out of you. Take a chance and give it a try. Um, and if it doesn't work, what's the worst that can happen? You tried and it didn't work, and you will then you will then move into a slightly different area. So it's it's being being willing to potentially make a mistake, but you won't know until you've tried. What a fantastic note to end on! Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. It's been so inspiring. It's a pleasure. It's been really nice. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, I I just feel so inspired by my guest this week, who really has an air about her that is in total self-acceptance, and you know she really knows who she is, and as a result, she doesn't take any nonsense from anyone but you know to deliver all of that with humility and kindness in her words and in her attitude has just been um, thoroughly aspirational thank you so much for listening this week don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence <laughs>